Hello everyone, welcome to the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit podcast. My name is Luke Perriton, I'm a physiotherapist, educator and researcher in the Department of Physiotherapy at Monash University. So in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to have a chat with Mick Hughes about his experiences with translating research to clinicians as a clinician. So Mick's well known in Melbourne as well as nationally and internationally as a physiotherapist and an exercise physiologist with a special interest in ACL rehabilitation. And he's also very busy with evidence translation. He runs a very successful blog, YouTube channel, Facebook page, Twitter account, all aimed at educating clinicians in how to use valid and reliable outcome measures and evidence-based treatment techniques and translating research findings. Um, so he's also the co-author of the Melbourne ACL Rehabilitation Guide 2.0 with Randall Cooper. And he works clinically at the Melbourne Sports Medicine Centre in Melbourne. So on top of all that, Mick runs Learn.Physio, an education resource for physiotherapists. So he's a busy man. Mick Hughes, welcome to the podcast. Oh, uh, Luke, what a, what a wind-up. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you for that. It's, uh, no, it's, uh, I'm great to be here and, and, and uh, really honoured to be asked to come on to the, to the show and, and hopefully share some, some valuable uh, experiences that I've got uh, that may help younger clinicians uh, navigate the, the research world and, and the knowledge translation world that's out there. So no, thanks for having me on board. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for coming on board. So I've touched on a highlights package of some of the many things that you do, but let's go back a step. Tell us a bit about yourself and your background and your interests and current work and projects. Yeah, um, I'll take yeah probably start back where it all, all began. I, I originally trained as an exercise scientist. It wasn't even you couldn't even call yourself an exercise physiologist back in the day yet. Um, so I graduated from Australian Catholic Uni in two thousand and two with an exercise science degree, and I, I felt going through going up through high school uh, and even through physiotherapy school, uh, sorry exercise science school, I felt like I really wanted to pursue. A career into physiotherapy um, having a couple of injuries when I was playing sport as a, as a young one I yeah I'd sort of seen enough of physiotherapy and enough of exercise and rehabilitation to think yeah that, that's the kind of career I'd love to pursue and so I was just never really good at high school I was always too much, having too much fun playing basketball uh, working going to parties and, and probably not being diligent enough with my studies to go straight from high school into to physio so I sort of took a long a long way around through exercise science but I feel like that three years at exercise science uh, school was really valuable in my career as a physiotherapist as well with that mm. strong emphasis on exercise and rehabilitation and a very active approach and, and the lessons I learned there and the skills that I learned there was really 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 valuable as a physiotherapist so um, yeah so after I graduated from exercise science I went into physiotherapist school up at James Cook Uni and um yeah, that's kind of like where I, yeah, became, yeah, got got to my my goal of being a physiotherapist, and um, yeah, that's where it all began. I I was lucky enough to work um, in sporting circles with rugby league uh, up there, and uh, met my wife in Townsville, um, and then we moved to Newcastle and got involved in soccer. Um, and then had a few years there, had a had a child, and then we moved to Melbourne. Um, so we've been slowly working our way down the eastern seaboard and we've been down here for five or six years now and we've now had a another another child and we're now now got two um and uh melbourne really is really where we will call home and but here in melbourne i guess is where i sort of found my sort of feet 
with sport and uh, really being passionate about uh, sharing um, sports physiotherapy research and trying to break down those uh, barriers that we see um, between research being produced and translating into clinical practice. And um, yeah, I've got, yeah, I, I guess hopefully I've covered a little bit of that background succinctly enough. Um, oh yeah. You found your feet, but you found your voice as well. So you've, you've had your blog and your website, um, you, you've had blogs up there since 2016. Is that yeah, right? That, that's right. And that's kind of like, was the, the turning point 2016. Um, it really, I got forced, I guess I felt like I got forced into it in a way by, Moving to Melbourne, have, not knowing anyone down here and, and being really out of my comfort zone in terms of my, my clinical practice. So previously I'd been an employee. So I had the luxury of just being able to get paid and, and, and earn, an, earn a living uh, with the comfort of you know, being in an employee status. Here in Melbourne, I was effectively a subcontractor where I was really uh, effectively my own business within the, the sphere of someone else's business. So Whenever I was quiet, I wasn't earning money. And so I felt like, okay, no one knows me here in Melbourne and I'm only seeing dodgy necks and backs. I'm not really enjoying my work. Um, and I was studying my master's of sports physio at the time. And I was like, well, here's a really good opportunity to, in my downtime, write some blogs, extend on my, my access that I've got at the moment. I've, I had a library of sports physio journals I could get from my master's program. And so whenever I had some downtime, I'd jump on, the library database and I'd look through some areas of interest and I'd, I'd read and, and I'd write. So I'd make use of my time because if I wasn't seeing people, I needed to get better at doing the things that I, I wanted to do. And, and the way that I was writing was in a, in a way that I wrote about the areas that I had a strong interest in and then I shared it. So I didn't love seeing necks. I didn't love seeing backs and shoulders. But I love seeing knees and I love seeing hips and ankles. So I, I sort of, diverged my interest into those areas and, and researched them a little bit deeper, deeply and, and deeper and, and also wider. And once I started rolling out a few blogs and putting them up there on social media, that's where it really sort of started to, to change. And I saw a really positive shift then to actually seeing patients walk in the door saying, oh, hey, I saw my doctor who, who read your blog last week and he, he thinks that you know a thing or two about knees, so I want you to go see Mick. And so... When I started to see a little bit of that, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, here's, here's something. So I just continued with it and, and it certainly evolved. So it really helps you to establish yourself. It did. It did. I absolutely did. And I think, um, I think for anyone out there that, you know, if you're coming out through physio school and, and you're sort of not knowing what to do in your downtime, I, I, I strongly encourage any new grads who often aren't seeing a lot of patients early to use that time wisely to, to upskill and read. because. Uh, even though I had the luxury of open access library database through the university I was at, um, I understand that not all clinicians still have that access. So they need to find some free articles here, there and everywhere. But there's a lot of great papers out there that are free. Um, you just got to try and, you know. <laughs> One of the blogs on your uh, website is, I think it's 22 papers that have shaped my career related to the ACL or words that affect. So that's yeah. a blog that's, a summary of all the free ones and all the ones yeah. that are behind a paywall. And it can be yeah. as simple as that. I think there's some really nice uh, advice in there for particularly for new graduates, but for anyone as a clinician, yeah. who you know that you have to be accessing and looking at research, but times have changed from when research was hidden behind a paywall and you had to be in a university. There's a lot of resources and 
you know, having someone like you translate those and put them in plain and simple terms for everyone is really useful. Yeah, well, I hope that was the, the original goal was because I remember reading a blog. So in my in the downtime in Melbourne, I also had a luxury of a lot of travel time. So I was catching I was catching trams to and from work, and every tram ride was about forty five minutes to an hour. So there was an hour there that I felt I could be effectively using my time better rather than just scrolling through my Facebook feed or my you know Instagram feed or my own personal stuff. I thought, well, there's an hour that I could be used reading reading research papers or writing a post um, and that's how I sort of took that and one of the times I was reading some research was I, I came across a paper that and it's often cited now whenever you're looking about knowledge translation there was a paper saying there was a 17 year delay between research being published and actually being adopted universally and I read that paper and I thought well that's a pretty big time time lag and you know if what I'm reading here in a in an ACL paper for example is going to take 17 years now for it to be implemented regularly then I felt like I had a voice there to try and change that and speed that process up um, so that's kind of my approach it, it, it was that way to begin with was to try and speed up this knowledge translation and make it easier for clinicians to um, make sense of the research in a, in a more practical way as well because sometimes the research can be quite jargony and it can be actually quite complicated and to try and I guess summarize it in a meaningful way has been a goal of mine as well um, so hopefully that's sort of coming across um, and, and Christian Barton also too and Adam Colvin all wrote a brilliant blog too talking about that as well so I sort of really took inspiration from those two um, papers and blogs and, and try to sort of do a little bit of my own as well. Mm, yeah, just really important um, resource for a lot of people and something that you've done mostly, I guess, in your spare time, as you're saying, in f- filling the gaps that are available that we all have. Yeah. You're really busy, especially as a new yep. grad, you're really busy all the time. Yep. So what tell us about Learn Physio, Learn.Physio? How did that start yeah. and what's your role there? Yeah. Um, we actually really just stumbled across it. Um, so I guess taking a step back from, from that originally was it, probably about two or three years ago, um, I I had uh, I had some presentations that I ACL presentations, and that I basically put them online to a website called Learn.Physio, and, and they're a product of because I got a really intense public uh, I got an intense fear of public speaking, believe it or not. Um, it's getting better. Um, so uh, a while ago, I got asked to do a presentation um, to a, a group of two hundred physios at La Trobe University on ACL and I thought oh gosh I'm gonna bomb out hard here so to practice I, I, I did a presentation to you know a couple of um you know 20, 20 physios locally here in our clinic and I did a presentation and and so I did that presentation and it was pretty well received and then I did a second one and a third one all on the same presentation I thought look there's probably some value in here in taking that presentation and putting it online and I looked around on the on some websites and there wasn't really anything out there. And I came across this website called Learn.Physio, which was a marketplace for people to share their presentations and make some money off it. So I put my, that presentation up online and I started, I charged about 40 bucks a pop um, for it to be watched and downloaded. And it, it took off. It was pretty popular and people worldwide were watching it. And it was up there for a while and I put another couple and I was sort of earning some little passive incomes along the way. And it came down to a point where Randall and I, Randall Cooper and I, we'd sort of evolved a little bit from the Melbourne ACL Rehab Guide and we wanted to turn that into a bit more of a real life presentation where we'd walk you through the steps of the Melbourne ACL Rehab Guide in a really good way. And we sort of 
made this two-hour masterclass where we sort of sat down and discussed the Melbourne ACL Rehab Guide and how we would do it practically. And we're like, okay, where are we going to put it now? And uh, we sort of, I said, well, learn.physio is there. It's a really good resource. You know, it's, I've got some stuff up on there and we could go and see how it, <laughs> it went. And so uh, we got in contact with the web, web owner and he said, look, I, I don't have much interest in that website anymore. Um, it's I'm too busy with other projects. Would you guys like to have it? And we were like, like for free. And, and he said, yeah, 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 just take it off my hands. You guys will do a much better job with it. Take down all the other stuff that's on there if you want to, but the domain learn.physio is yours if you want it. And we were like, well, why not? Let's let's go with it and, and, and see where it evolves to from there. And kudos so, to them for doing that and, and that gift to you because that you've oh, really done something a wonderful with gift. it. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we took that we took that brand and we took the, the website and we then turned it into this resource. So basically, as it stands, Learn.Physio is, is an online educational resource where we provide these two to two and a half hour masterclass videos. And um, initially, it, it was just two ACL videos and ACL reconstruction and non-operative ones. But in the last six months, we're, we're, we've certainly... Have, have grown that and have filmed some new courses and we're going to be putting up another, you know, 10 to 20 courses by, by the time the year's out as well. So we, 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 we just saw a market there to provide physiotherapists, not only here in Australia, but all around the world, access to some of the best presenters in the world as well. And we're, we're lucky here in Melbourne to have some of the smartest minds in the world here at our doorstep. And why not make the use of them and showcase their talents all, all across the world and share information that would ordinarily be hard to get to. You know, Jo Kemp, for example, and her expertise in FAI, like for a clinician in America or the UK or somewhere in Europe to get to one of her courses would cost an arm and a leg. And here we are you know, providing access to, to her expertise at a fraction of the cost. Um, and, and Ryan Timmons is coming on board soon with a hamstring one and a few other presenters. So that's, that's kind of like where we're at with Learn.Physio. We're trying to provide the best uh, people in the business and share their wealth of information. You're really breaking down that, that key barrier that we talk about that to evidence translation and yeah. making it more efficient and yeah, reducing that 17 years down to something more reasonable. Hopefully, yeah, break it down from 17 to less than you know, five. That would be nice, I think. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges for clinicians that clinicians face in implementing research and how do you try to address those challenges? How are you helping? Yeah, well, I think, I think as a clinician, um, it, it's, it is hard to, to stay con, constant because I mean, you look at the ACL literature, just one example of, of how challenging it can be. If there are, every month there'd be at least, I don't know the exact count, but there'd be at least hundreds of ACL papers produced every month, maybe probably even more, to be honest. Um, to, to be really on top of the ACL literature, just on top of a busy clinical caseload, and obviously, you know, just to have time away from the clinic and just your own downtime, like you, you don't want to be, con be consumed by physio 24-7. You need to have family time and social time and family time as well. So... To, to stay even close to being relevantly up to date is really, really hard. Um, and that's just the ACL, for example. If you've got an interest in shoulders, necks and backs, you know, the research out there would be just as, as frequent, frequently published. 
So that's certainly one of the biggest challenges I see as, as my own clinician is even staying constant with that's pretty hard and up to date is quite hard. So I guess my, my little bit that I'm trying to provide are these little snippets of information that I try to take without cherry picking as much as I can. I understand I probably do cherry pick a little bit of the, you know, the information, but I'm trying to make things practical in a way. So for example, like we're talking about, you know, like one of the key papers I really love sort of driving home is uh, Adam Colvinor's work in the single leg sit to stand, for example, and delving through some of his research and Kay Cross's research and, and finding these little meaningful cutoffs to make the clinician's work a little bit easier. Like I, I love his, uh, paper on 22 single legs sit to stand that's associated with better quality of life than those who can do more than 22 than those who can't do 22, you know, one to three years after an ACL reconstruction. Finding bits of information like that that can be meaningful to both the clinician and to the patient, I find, has um, been an important part of, of my research journey, trying to share information because sometimes it can be quite hard, you know, going through a paper and, and saying, okay, look, this researcher is telling us this, but how what can we do with that? How relevant is this to the person in front of me? And trying to make sense of some of the numbers, I think is, is a challenge. And that's where hopefully I've started to um, bring home. And I know I shared one the other day, which was single leg hop test, for example. You know, ACL patients, you know, should be really striving for that males, 90% of their height or 80% of their height for females. And just those little targets, I think, and those little snippets of gold, I think they're, they're the big ones I've been trying to sort of get out of the literature. Um, and share to a wider audience that can um, be be valuable. Hopefully, anyway. I hope, hopefully, there's been some yeah, some nice knowledge translation there. Mm, value is the key word. It's very valuable. Yeah. So, and yeah. you, you're very active on Twitter and and Facebook as well. You've got a Facebook page and yeah. your blogs, so people can find. Where can people find you and follow you online? What are your handles? Yeah. So. Um, Mick, uh, it's probably uh, Instagram is probably the, the more popular one, uh, but mickhughes.physio uh, is is Instagram and Facebook. Um, Twitter's a little bit different. It's Mick W. Hughes. Um, and then YouTube uh, would be mickhughes.physio as well. And Yeah, what do, what do people find on your YouTube channel? Uh, it's it really good. Uh, like I was, funnily you said that I was, I was actually going to sit down this afternoon or over this weekend is actually organized a little bit better, but uh, you'll find over on my YouTube channel about 120 different types of videos of exercises that I think would provide value in different forms of rehabilitation following ACL injury. Most commonly there's a few ankle sprain videos, there's a few hamstring videos, but probably 90% of what's featured on my YouTube uh, channel is ACL based um, ranging from, okay, here's what you could do in the early stages of rehab soon after you follow, soon after you've injured your ACL all the way through to, Hey, these are the hot tests. I think you should be performing to, to clear a person before they return to sport. And there's going to be a wide scope of what's in between as well, including different choices of, mid-stage rehab, late-stage rehab, lots of jumping, lots of landing <laughs> uh, exercise options in there too. But yeah, literally over 100 different videos there that people can uh, go through and watch to get inspiration for their patients. Excellent. Look, Mick, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks very much for your time. And, and listeners, we'll put a link to the papers that Mick was mentioning there and all his social media handles and, and everything else so you can find him in the show description, in the notes where you're listening to this, wherever you get your podcasts from. And we have part two of a conversation 
coming up soon. We're going to be recording and this is going to be diving into ACL rehabilitation. So for everyone interested in that topic, listen on to the next episode. But for now, Mick, thanks very much for coming on board. Hello, it's a pleasure. Can't wait for the next chat. 